0: Okay, welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. All right, sweet. This is our first. This is our first remote podcast. This is, you know, coronavirus. Everyone's making adjustments to their work schedule. So I'm at the IPA office. I'm at my manager's desk. Pete is in his living room. If anyone is like under, any... I'm in my
1: compound.
0: <laughs> yeah, from the, Pete's logistics bunker. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess uh, I hope this is going out So, we'll go let, Let's talk about it, Pete I haven't seen you for a while First off, how you been? And second, Mate, what are you making of everything?
1: Well, thank you, James it is Look, I, you know, I'd give you a lot of curry But it is good to see you albeit on, on my phone uh, I'm really good My uh, sister-in-law just gave birth to my first nephew And obviously That's a Q&A clap, Mark no, you know, okay. Why don't we just clap? That's mean? not a Q&A clap uh, moment, so I'm just turning my phone back on. A Q&A clap moment is like something completely stupid. This is great. Anyway, so to young William, welcome to the world. No, but apart from that, you know, uh, just a big thank you to Saul and Steve and everyone else who's been able to get us on the air this week. It's been huge. And, uh, you know, we're going to come back bigger and better than ever.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's talk about coronavirus because there's obviously so much to talk okay. about. There's so many different yeah. aspects to this. And it's one of those ones, like, my parents listen to this podcast on the weekend. By the time they hear this, maybe everything we say is already out of date and irrelevant. And mm. usually the stuff we do say is irrelevant anyway. So not a whole yeah. lot of change there. But yeah, I suppose change. we better talk about something. So I guess, like, the three things, as I say it, that I really want to talk about is the, like, business closure and the MyGov absolute meltdown that happened uh, and yeah. the Centrelink stuff. I also want to talk about Ruby Princess and... uh Oh, okay. So there's basically two major things, but uh, Pete, okay. let's just get your thir- thoughts up the top here. So, what have you? Wh- wh- where are you at with what you're seeing in the world? Apart from like well, what the hell is a, going on?
1: That's a op- very open-ended question, James. Now, look, from my perspective, it feels like we're in two camps. You know, there's the, we should shut everything down straight away, or we should you know do this gradually and not uh, not you know hurt businesses and all that too much. Obviously, I fall in the latter camp. That's based on my sunny capital, uh, what's it called? Sunny cl- classical liberal outlook on life. Uh, I don't think we should be rushing into it. I did notice overnight, actually, and I'm just looking at my laptop now, 800 professionals from the fields of epidemiology and medicine have signed a letter uh, organised by Yale University, James, that says uh, cracks, crackdowns, shutdowns, travel restrictions, sweeping closures and work resti- restrictions could be counterproductive. So I don't think we should be rushing into stuff. We saw today Albanese sort of take the ALP on a different direction and break the unity with the coalition on how we should deal with this, I lean towards, in general, less restriction and slower restriction as opposed to changing things straight away.
0: Yeah, like, I'm with you. Like, no one wants people to die because, like, when Trump starts talking about economic recovery and people start saying we need to slow down the restrictions, it turned in on Twitter to we have to sacrifice our grandparents so the GDP can go up, which is like the, so unhelpful way of putting it. And it's not what anyone's saying. But, and obviously you don't want your country to turn into what's happening in Italy, Spain, and France, which is just, you know, that kind, th- those places are all in complete meltdown. There's thousands and thousands of people. And, you know, you see those reports in the hospitals, like people are just getting, uh, you know, that person leaves, that person dies kind of stuff. So you don't want your country to mm. get there. So I get a lockdown briefly just until we know how many people actually have this disease and we can get some more information on it Mm -hmm. but then like when scott morrison says pubs clubs and restaurants are closed and it's going to be six months of closures and we're going to have a million people unemployed you just got to go like can we take a weekend to think about that that is so many people unemployed out of nowhere and you know your heart breaks like if you saw this everyone saw those Centrelink queues where people lined up around the block that's some heartbreaking stuff to just see how many people are out there suffering economically. I mean, you, you have the health crisis, but now we've got the economic one as well. Um, so I want to get into the centering stuff at the start. But first things first, Scott Morrison says we're going to increase the New Start thing. So we're going to get a whole lot more people getting unemployment benefits. Now, Pete, I want to uh, ask you something that's happening over in Scandinavia, Britain, and probably the US is that the governments are mm-hmm. more subsidizing wages instead of raising unemployment. So the governments, uh, allowing businesses to keep paying their employees, and I like that more because that means that the employees still have a job. And when this is all over, they will have a job to go back to, rather than just, hey, six months from now, that cafe is closed and it's not coming back. So even if you thought you had a job to go to, you don't anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly right. It's it's better to keep people in jobs as opposed to put people onto welfare. The US is doing that uh, in some circumstances, paying a hundred percent of the wage bill of certain yeah, right. customers so uh yeah no i definitely favor that over more welfare obviously people's wages are generally more than welfare so it might be more expensive but they don't have to pay the full wage uh and the second thing i'd say is i know a lot of people would be saying oh you guys the ipa you know you believe in the free market you should do why would the government be getting involved in this anyway but i think and obviously we believe all that stuff but like there is a there is a bit of a difference in this situation because these businesses haven't failed they've been told by the government that they have to shut down. You know, they've been restricted from actually opening. So it's not quite the same thing as uh, government propping
0: up a failed business. Yeah, like the auto industry or something like that.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's so like so you know,
0: last week it was perfectly okay to go to a cafe. Like Scott Morrison's even saying, I'm going to go watch the Sharkies," And then in four days later, it's like, if you go to a restaurant and sit down, you will be arrested. Like, I, I get yeah. the needs is for the government to step in on that one. Uh, but let's talk about the Center League stuff. So you had the queues around the block. And Stuart Robert had a day. Let's put it that way. Stuart <laughs> Robert had a bad day at work. This is a guy, government service minister. He comes up the first day that all these Centrelink queues are happening and all and MyGov crashes. He immediately says, oh, it's a denial of service attack. So basically hackers have gotten to Centrelink. Then two yeah, hours later has to be like, my bad. Uh, apparently yeah. that didn't happen. All that happened was apparently when you make people unemployed, they go on the Centrelink website very quickly. And we didn't foresee that happening. That's a bad day. Yeah,
1: exactly right. And if, for me, the the three sins there: the failed website, the lines, and saying "my bad." My bad is worse than the other two things because the other two things you can definitely anticipate the government stuffing up. You know? Yeah, they're all, the website's always going to not work. There's always going to be big numbers at the central office. But saying "my bad" yeah. <laughs> is very like, very like, you know, I don't know. Worksite office chump. So <laughs> like, yeah, my
0: bad. We got to do that. And but, that one, I mean, that cyber attack thing, like, I use that all the time. Every time I don't have something. You, you got know, hacked. You I got saved. hacked. Yeah. That's the reason those photos are on the internet now. Oh. What I also like is that if you're the government, you don't want people panicking and you want people to trust everything you say from here on in because it's going to be very important. Everyone's on the same page. And you immediately launch into, <laughs> we've been hacked by terrorists. Everyone panic. <laughs> It's all over. We're done. The country's finished. Yeah. Um, oh, mate. Anyway, so the other part of it is, like, I can't believe it is 2020 and you still have to go to Centrelink in person. And the Centrelink website uh, can only handle 15,000 people logging in the one time. Like, no, no, uh, 55,000 people logging in the one time. Now, I don't want to surprise you, Peter Gregory, but 50, there are more <laughs> than 55,000 people working in the hospitality sector in Australia. So yeah. how was it only upgraded to 55,000?
1: Well, look, I mean, they didn't, they didn't know this was going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, Centrelink, as you said, Centrelink shouldn't exist. Like, it should just be online. So You've yeah. done do it on an app with your eyelids or something. You shouldn't even have to, you know, do anything apart from that. But, yeah, no, I agree. Centrelink is, is out of date.
0: Can you imagine, like, Apple having, a, like, their website's down the day the new iPhone comes out? They're like, we didn't think many people wanted this. This is ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Cyber attack, yeah. No, nah, look, you're right, mate. Uh, but I guess, you know, the government... So, in their defense, they didn't know that, you know, a million people... Like two weeks ago, they
0: didn't know, Yeah, yeah but back. like, I think if you're going to go, right, all right, everyone's getting fired, we need to build things up, I think you set the number a bit higher than 55,000. Yeah,
1: you're probably right. right,
0: mate. Yeah, you're on the side of the government, I'm going to attack you until you admit. <laughs>
1: wow, I just like, I'm just letting you have it,
2: because...
0: Alright, then the last I'm thing I want to talk read. about before we get into heroes and villains is, there's all oh, this yeah, coverage about things. Victoria Premier Daniel Andrews and the New South Wales Premier uh going harder on lockdowns than any other state and even like going against the wishes of the federal government on some things and new south wales are they just overcompensating for the ruby princess thing because that just seems to be what it is so if anyone missed it ruby princess cruise ship comes in allows two thousand seven hundred passengers to disembark even though 13 were suffering from respiratory problems and it turns out 130 passengers had coronavirus and they all just got waved off the boat as everyone's talking about, we need to close borders.
1: Yeah, waved off the boat, straight into central Sydney. Like yep. Bernard Keene wrote in Crikey yesterday, I don't know what's agreed with Bernard Keen, but he's exactly right. Ha- Someone has to lose their job for this. We've got hundreds of thousands of people out of work for no reason, no fault of their own, and yet a bureaucrat is effectively killed people. Let's be honest, people are going to die because of this, and no one's lost their job yet. So some heads have to roll at some level. And yes, I agree with you that this is uh, her overcompensating for that a little bit. It was so crazy the way that Daniel Andrews was like, all right, we're going to go into shutdown. This is Sunday, without doing any thought about it. And then a few hours later said, actually, we're not going to go into shutdown, having had you know, a good stern talking to the SCOMO. So, I mean, that is panic leadership. And yeah, the whole thing's been a bit of a debacle in that regard.
0: Yeah, and then like Daniel Andrews going, okay, we've now got stage two restrictions. And stage three is on its way, but I'm not going to tell you what that is.
1: Yeah, or when. Yeah. Coming.
0: just know it's coming and it's going to be bad yeah. so I've just got to sit here in panic that's basically it yeah
2: anyway exactly so right.
0: we... you got any that's more sorry, coronavirus takes because we can move on to heroes yeah. and villains let's get on to heroes and villains I don't know if we do have Grunt the Pig's freedom snort I think he's another victim of the coronavirus lockdown but imagine a snort yeah, pig that home. stands up for freedom that would be playing right now because we're going to talk about the people around the world that are standing up for hero- uh, freedom and standing up for good uh, so, Pete, I'll get you to start off.
1: That's good, mate. I'm just scrolling through my laptop, which is on my lap. Okay. Now, I wanted to do delivery strippers for this bid, but James said that was too lowbrow and creepy. So, fair enough. I'm not going to do the uh, delivery strippers. i stand by
2: strippers.
1: that. Speaking of someone who is never creepy, Elon Musk, donated <laughs> more than 1,000 ventilators to officials in Los Angeles uh, to meet demand as the pandemic of coronavirus becomes more severe. In addition, he said he's going to, uh, adapt his gigafactory facility in New York, so that it stops making pointless Teslas and starts making ventilators. Elon Musk, we give you a little bit of crap on this show, but good on your mate. He's trying to help. He's got a lot of money, but he's using it for good. Elon Musk, you're my hero this week.
0: Yep, and you better use those ventilators because if you don't, he's going to call you a pedophile on Twitter.
1: He might, yeah. So yeah, he might. So still do that. he's let
0: us know his playbook early on. He says, yeah. look, I'm I'm doing a really good thing here. If you don't use them, consequences.
1: He's a floor genius. What can I
0: say? But yeah, no, good on him for that. No, fair enough. All right, so uh, this one made the rounds
1: on social media. My
0: heroes this week is uh, just collecting mayors of Italy, specifically Antonio Totolo, yeah. the mayor of Lucera. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. There is absolutely no chance that I am. So it's was like this compilation, and I think I'm playing them now. So hope for the best there. Uh, but anyway, so it's all these Italian mayors. They're all lined up talking to their constituents about the need for people to stay in town uh, you start off with, like, just casual, please stay in town. One person saying, uh, one mayor saying, you don't go out and stroll in my neighbourhood. This escalates to people, like, running around, uh, chasing down people playing ping-pong in the street and saying, go home, and saying, we need your girlfriends to come here with clubs. But anyway, Antonio Totolo, the hero of this whole thing, here's his full quote, and I have to, like, scale it back a bit, but he's talking about people that are ordering mobile hairdressers. So he says, getting it... In- Getting in mobile hairdressers? What the f is that for? Do you understand that the casket will be closed? Who the f is it supposed <laughs> to even see you with all your hair done when you're in the casket? What a hero! Yeah. That is hilarious.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do yourself a favor and Google those because there's like twelve of them. And I can say this because my girlfriend's Italian background, but they have a very colourful way of speaking. The Italian people. I didn't realise it, but because I can't speak Italian. But this, like, there's just all these, all these bears that are just like you know. I used to have 20 people running the city. Now there's 100, pe- yeah, you know, thousands of people running. Come on, are you guys, serious? You know, it's very funny.
0: Check it out. Yeah. Uh, the other part of it, I wanted to, because I want to vote for this guy. I thought that was so hilarious that line. I want to vote for him, and I wanted to look up whether or not uh, it was one of those. You know, those Italian towns where you can buy a house for a dollar. So, so we can get some land property in there and then register to vote. I did not know
1: that. You know, What's I, that
0: about? oh, it makes some rounds. Like, there's like some Italian town, and there's. You know, they need people to buy a property so you can buy a house for a dollar, but obviously the house is going to cost you so much more to like, keep in touch. But anyway, investment portfolio for Pete, looking pretty good now that he knows that. Uh, what, but I did find a townhouse in his town for $40,000. So if we want to pass the hat around with the official IPA budget, we can, uh, we can get, some, get some things happening.
1: I still don't quite get it. So you can, you buy the house. Why is it so cheap?
0: Sorry, it's a dollar for the house. Now, the house might be falling apart, so you need to renovate it anyway, and there might be literally nothing to do, but you can own a house in Italy for a dollar. It might be Greece, now that I think about it, but I think it might also be (laughs) bust. I'm going to look into it.
1: I don't quite get it. I'm going to look into
0: it. All right. Sweet. Uh, We'll now go over to our villains. I have to play the
1: video,
0: so uh, this is work abuse
2: as extinction rebellion protests enter their sixth day
1: i'm assuming that it's the clip of the extinction rebellion protesters who are doing a nudie run to save the planet back in october but they are not really nude so for me we name the villain after them, the villain of the week after them every single week for that james give us your villain of the week
0: all right so my villain of the week new york times so sorry i'm still Still flying live. <laughs> Steve has had enough of me. He's taken over. I apologize to everyone for that. So the New York Times might well, be lady. a little weak. Uh, So here's how, I mean, the US, over in the US, they are putting together their stimulus package. They're arguing it out over who gets what, when, and where. Here's how the New York Times had their rolling coverage over it over the course of the day. So we started off with a very basic Democrats block action on $1.8 $1 trillion stimulus. Now, later that day, that moved to Democrats block action on stimulus bans seeking worker protections. Okay. Third one was partisan divide threatens deal Uh on rescue bill. And then finally it ends with the coronavirus bailout stalled and it's Mitch McConnell's fault. Uh, Now, that is some big level journalism right there.
1: So that's over the course
0: of one day. Over the course of one day, they were like, okay, the Democrats are what's holding this up. Now it's both parties. Now it's Mitch McConnell. Just always got to stay on the party lines.
1: These people, you know, they're like, Trump has got to respect the media more, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they do stuff like
0: this. He's hollowing out faith in the institutions we have. Yeah,
1: it's Trump's fault.
0: All right, so that's mine. You got
1: yours? Yeah, I've got mine, mate. I just realised the screenshot I did of this tweet is really small, so that's helpful. But, uh, do you want me to read it this out? Week is... No, that's all right. It's just, it's just big enough. I'll... I'll just have to lean in. So my villain this week is Wendy Harmer, an ABC radio presenter on Sydney ABC. She does the breakfast show, which I think is quite successful. Anyway, Wendy Harmer tweeted during the week. So, all set to broadcast from home tomorrow morning, like us. Uh, Fingers crossed, all goes well. On a side note, I'm using a Timeline VR unit that costs $5,500, and we only have one for the entire station. Clearly, not enough in times like these. More funding for the ABC, please. Wendy, is it realistic to think that the ABC will get more funding knowing there are hundreds of thousands of people out there that are getting laid off work right as we speak? The ABC are the people, you know, and the government and all the people in government and ABC and bureaucracy and things are the people that are actually making these decisions to put people out of work and to say, you know, we we need more funding at a time like this is just to show how absolutely out of touch the ABC are with the wealth creators in this country who are the people that are currently suffering. So, Wendy, for that silly request for more
0: funding at a time like this, you are my villain. I'm not going to lie, Pete. My audio and video cut out for that entire rant, and it just came back when you said that that is my villain. So I'm just going to assume what you said was amazing, and we're just going to move on.
1: It was really good. Yeah. I, it was really
0: good. I had my own points about it, but uh, I don't know if I'm just going to step over yours. Did you just basically go... Uh, can we just rip the ventilators out of people that need them's mouths just so we can pay for the ABC? Do you know what? I didn't say that, but that's a good point as well.
1: All right. That's a really good point as well. But I just want to make one more point, which I didn't make, which you can see later anyway, is that like, I don't think a single
2: bureaucrat a has lost their job. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay. no
1: I don't think a, a single bureaucrat has lost their job because of this thing yet. There's been a pathetic pay freeze for the bureaucracy. Yeah. Lost, you know, thousands and thousands of wealth creating Australians who pay for the bureaucracy. Uh, are losing their job so you know maybe we should lose some of the department of education maybe we should lose some of the bureaucrats we employ to talk about climate change that would be a good way to save money well there so, we go that's another point
0: that's some that's some big journalism in point all right uh, cool let us uh, go to the next part of the show I guess let's do it Okay, uh, coming up on the show, something a little bit different, because I don't really want to talk about coronavirus for two months straight, and I think, Pete, uh, you'd be the same. Correct. Yeah, so we're going to bring in Andrew Bushnell, Research Fellow, good for IPA podcast, great friend of looking for the IPA's other podcast. Uh, Andrew, welcome back to the show.
2: Thanks, I'm me. Yes.
0: Yeah, Bushman. back. We're always on the quiz. Uh, <laughs> What we're going to do this week but actually first we'll check in with bushnell Bushnell, how are you going in the whole working from home and what do you make of uh coronavirus and australia's response
2: well we've had a bit of a frustration getting this up and running um and it's mostly because i am like everyone else in this co- well like a lot of people in this country stuck with the nbn um yeah. it's a, a debacle from conception onwards uh, has been nothing but a drain on this country and is now destroying me psychologically. So <laughs> other than that, other than that, I'm fine. I've managed to escape the disease that's ravaging the country. But that doesn't mean that I don't have anything to complain about. No.
0: <laughs> the day the will runs out of things to complain about, that's a world I don't want to live in. I'm with you. I've got the NBN as well, and just occasionally it just shuts off for like an hour and a half. Like there's nothing you can do. it just we're out. And I've gone that, – that's okay when I'm trying to watch a movie – but when I'm trying to do a podcast, what's going to happen? And it just seems to be like, yeah,
2: you're just going to have to cop it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, this was scheduled to take place, this conversation, about six hours ago.
1: <laughs> as, I said
2: the, the before,
1: as I said off-air just before, in we have to use NBN. We wanted to use a private company. They wouldn't let us. It costs more and it's crapper. This is East <laughs> Germany. It's all but the
2: torture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here's what we're going to do instead of a quiz and instead of an interview. And we're going to do a few of these coming forward, bring in a few friends of the show. Uh, It's going to be like this thing, and Pete, you're going to have to help me out with the explanation because there's a chance I don't do too well. But we're going to mock draft (laughs) random topics. So I'll explain it like this week. We're going to mock draft shows we're watching as we lock down. So, obviously, everyone's hitting Netflix, everyone's hitting Stan, everyone's hitting Foxtel Goal at the moment, streaming TV shows. And we're going to draft the best TV shows to watch. Once someone takes it, it's off the board. We're going to go serpentine-level draft. So, whoever picks third has the fourth pick, whoever picks first has the sixth pick, and so on. Pete, anything I'm missing? Well, yes. Yeah, the, the,
2: like the simplest possible model. <laughs>
1: So like a mock draft, like a footy draft or an NBA draft. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. And what happens? How do we decide
0: who wins? Oh, yeah. So we're going to put up something on Instagram when the show comes out and people can vote on who's assembled the best roster of TV shows to binge.
1: That's
0: right. Cool. All right. Uh, Bushnell, you are guest. uh, So I reckon you get first pick. So what's your number one show to watch? Oh, Pete's got something?
1: Uh, That's all right. I'll save it.
0: Cool. All right, Bushnell, you've got first pick. What are you taking? All right, Bushnell, welcome back. Uh, we lost you there, so you want to hit us with your first pick again? Yeah, well,
2: I just wanted to build suspense by yeah. having my internet collapse and then have to change from one room to another in my apartment. So, anyway, as I was saying, I think that the most entertaining show that you can binge watch, particularly if you haven't done, but it's worth a rewatch while you're locked down, is Breaking Bad.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: fix. I lost you there, Bolton. What did you say, mate?
0: I just said that was one of my first picks. Uh, Bushnell, explain your
2: thinking. So I recently re-watched Breaking Bad from start to finish because my wife had never seen it. Uh, um, We actually got Stan just for the purpose of me showing Breaking Bad to my wife. I was like, you have to watch this, so we're getting it. Um, Which has been used for me to double the amount of streaming in our house. Um, and I just think that of the golden age of TV shows, as, as they call it, you know, the, the shows with the, um, the, the, the male anti-hero kind of show, I think Breaking Bad is the most entertaining one. It might not be the most deep um, compared to, say, uh, The Sopranos or Mad Men or other shows that I'm sure that we'll hear about today. But uh, I think Breaking Bad, for sheer entertainment value to distract you from what's going on outside your four walls, I don't think you can get a better choice than that one.
1: No, Can I jump uh, in there? Yeah. So you just referred to the golden age of TV there, Bushy. What is that? I'm not a big TV guy. Maybe a few of our listeners aren't as well. What was the golden age of TV?
2: Uh, the, the, so the golden age of TV was this this period kicked off with, with the Sopranos, uh, Tony Soprano, extremely memorable character, mafia boss also battling deep-seated psychological issues to do with family trauma, and, um, from about that period through, so probably the end of Breaking Bad, that's kind of your golden era of TV, um, where you had this. It was the basically the return of uh, sort of sophisticated serialisation in television storytelling, um, and you ended up with a, a number of high-profile writers and actors moving into TV as a medium. Um, but anyway, I could bore you with this about, but most mostly it was because um, the invention of you know you had streaming. Expansion of cable, home set home setups like your TV is better now, and all of this came together to create like a period where there was actually good shows to watch for about ten golden.
1: Alright, uh, Pete, pick, uh, pick two. Oh, so I can pick two, do I? Yeah. All right, you beauty. Well, uh, as I just mentioned, I'm not a massive TV guy, uh, so I don't watch as much TV as you guys, and I'm not really as interested in this as you guys. But I do want to troll Bolt, and I know that Bolt's favourite show in the world is The Simpsons, and I'm going to pick it. Pick one. <laughs> yes.
0: That was that was my
1: number one pick. That hurts. Yeah, that hurts. I know. I know. And okay, and also there's like 400 seasons of it, so you yeah. know, if this thing goes on for years and years, you got you can watch them all.
0: It's the perfect pick. I thought I was going to win the draft in the
2: first round, and it's been taken away. It's so much. All right. I was on on my list too, but they've buried their good seasons under so many bad seasons. I just wouldn't want to recommend anyone stream, well, binge watch uh, season 25 of The Simpsons.
0: Uh, a yeah. like hundred episodes of The Simpsons you could watch forty times, and I have, and it's still fun.
2: Yeah, I, I, I have too. <laughs> All right,
0: uh, so I get two picks in a row as we're doing the snake draft. So I get pick three yep. and four. So I'm going to take one comedy. I'm going to take one drama. Uh, I'll start off with the comedy. I'm going to go The Office U.S. version uh, again. Something you can binge. That's like there's over a hundred episodes of it. Most of it is very good. Always, like, scenes it can come back to, episodes it can come back to. So Office US is my first pick. Over to drama. Bushnell mentioned it before. I had it just below Breaking Bad, and I'll stick by it, Mad Men. Uh, every episode is just so deep. The characters are so good. You love everything that happens. Every episode is good. There's not a single dud among them. So I'm going to go Office US, and I've got Mad Men. Back to your page. Ooh. very good
1: choices James very good choices uh, now as I mentioned not a big TV guy but I do do my research and for this show I do lots of research and just before I googled best television show of all time and <laughs> up came Sopranos number one Rolling Stone they had this big hundred best shows of all time and number one was The Sopranos so I'll take that, nine seasons as well so it feels a bit of content um, it's it is dra- the best show.
2: Of all time. Are you drafting a show you've never actually seen? That's
1: the thing. I've, seen, I've actually seen a lot of
2: Sopranos. This right. is like, like <laughs> how Richmond do their drafting. It's like they yeah, either. Yeah. Richmond had five of the top 20 draft picks and had one part-time recruiter. So <laughs> yeah, that's how you end up with Dean Polo and uh, Adam Patterson, you know, yeah. in the top 20 draft picks. Uh,
1: just yeah.
2: Uh, I like my Mo-
0: uh, drafting stuff that we're going to re-watch. pizza like got this full small sport of like, what other shows I've always wanted to watch? Let me just have a look. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I can't wait to get into it. <laughs> All
2: right, sweet. Bushnell, you've got two
0: in a row, mate.
2: Okay, uh, my next pick, I, I feel like I should recommend a comedy, having uh, gone with the drama first. So, uh, And you've already had this, uh, The Simpsons. So I'm going to go with Seinfeld, uh, which is on Stan. Uh, and I think everyone, uh, I've been watching this from start to finish yet again. Um, it's a kind of show that just gets better and better as you, as you watch it. Um, yeah, you can't go wrong uh, binge watching Seinfeld.
0: Yeah, strong pick. I had that very high on the board as well. All right, you get another one in a row? Can I just make a comment oh, about
1: Seinfeld? was that, Pete? Just... Can I just make a quick comment about Seinfeld? I find oh. when I watch too many episodes in a row, I start to get sad because they're fairly reputable people. So if you're going to binge watch that, kids, maybe just one every now and then.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a danger with um, with a number of these shows, isn't it? But uh, uh, the people are always bad. But the thing about Seinfeld is that if you binge watch it, what you come to realise is that, like, Jerry's stand-up bits are actually terrible. Um, <laughs> just, just so many, so many... Excruciating bits, and you find yourself going, "I just want to skip the first two minutes of the show and get to George."
0: Yeah, yeah. they even threw it out. Like by season five, they've removed the stand-up bits entirely. They're just like, "This is actually the worst part of the show." Everyone's just waiting for Kramer to make his big entrance.
2: Let's yeah, go. Get- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, okay, Hill, so gonna- I got two in a row, and I didn't realize—I I, admit—I didn't realize I was going to be voting on this. So people are judging my choices and I also have to play to the crowd um, but I'm, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a bit of i um, oh, I'll go with a bit of an unusual one it's a recommendation for people otherwise it won't make it on the list so show called money heist which is the most successful uh, non-English language show uh, in Netflix history huge hit all around the world Get On Board, Very, very silly show about, uh, well, Money Heist is a ridiculous name for a show, of course, but basically they break into, it's a Spanish show, um, a team of thieves break into the Royal Mint uh, and try and buy themselves some time to uh, print as much money as they can. Um, so if you like heist stories, this one is quite quite good. Um, and I'm going to put that on my list to show how cultured I am. Uh, that's
0: good, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to win over people, but it sounds like – so is it like just like a crime thriller?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so, so just uh, if you like a uh, – it's like a, a melodramatic heist thriller. <laughs>
1: All,
2: right. All right, Pete, you're up. Okay, so I'm going to choose a recent one. Everyone,
1: regular listeners will know that I am a big cricket fan. There is a new series out at the moment called The Test, which is about I- the Australian cricket team from – did you have that as well, James?
0: No, I'm just gonna I'm gonna wipe the floor with both of you. I'm up against money heist in the test in the third round. Hey, right, well, uh, how,
1: round. how dare you disrespect uh, Australia's journey from being absolute spuds because they got rid of their players that were cheats to then being really good, making the semi-finals, of the World Cup, winning the oh, retaining the Ashes. It's a really good view. You get you do get a bit of inside knowledge. If there's a few insights I'd take out of it, it's one: Justin Langer is a very, very intense individual. Uh, two, a lot of weird blokes in the Australian cricket team, and three, a lot of—I wouldn't say—I don't reckon that you would accuse the Australian cricket team of being like really smart. Uh, but it is a—it is a human triumph. We do, you know, we do retain the Ashes, and uh, it's a great viewer, great watch for any of those sports fans out there.
2: Well, I, I think uh, it not its kind of it hasn't got a punchline. I mean, because we retain the Ashes, yes, but by drawing the series. It's kinda of like that movie Moneyball where they don't actually win. And so yeah. the, the third act the third act, you're like, oh yeah, it turns out that just hiring some fat mathematician doesn't win you baseball games. So you know, do that. Well, yeah. yeah,
1: it is true. It shows the last test which they lose to draw the ashes. Um, I wanna so,
2: re- yeah. remake that movie. I wanna remake that movie, but as like a parody of like statistical, the way this world is dominated by made-up numbers. That's what that movie should have been. Brad Pitt should have been the villain. Anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's true. In the in the um in the test, right? They've got this stats guy, this mathematician, come in, right? And uh, he talks about this stuff. And the conclusion he comes into, and this will make sense to cricket fans, is in England, you've got to hit the top of off stump. It's like every park cricket captain in the whole world. who told you that, mate. And, and the other thing he says is, do you know what? We've got to win more sessions. It's like, come on, mate. Oh, we've got to win some sessions, do we? Anyway. So, check it out. That's a great show. Yeah. All right. Hi, I'm mate. not knocking
0: your picks. I am knocking your draft strategies because, like, Money Heist and the test, they would have been available in the fifth round. No one else was going to take those. And there's a lot I thought of. That's what take the test. test.
2: No, no, this is. Uh, this is- you got to go. Uh,
0: back- 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 I'm going to go back to the comedies for this one. So I'm going to pick this comedy is a one you can binge watch and rewatch because you pick up jokes. You've missed. I'm watching it for now for like the eighth time. And I'm still picking up jokes for the first time. Arrested development. It's an easy pick. I'm so happy that it's still on the board. I can't believe it's still there. Uh, Lock that one in. And
1: then. Sorry. It's another one that makes me sad.
0: Arrested development.
1: Yeah.
0: You have too
2: high a uh, moral. <laughs> no, I definitely did not. <laughs> that was another. One. That was another show that I um, basically insisted that um, Melissa watch with me, rewatch with me. Um, I didn't actually have that on my board though, because I feel like that show kind of peters out a little bit, uh, and so again. Um, like you've gone with and the other thing is I didn't get a chance to say this before, but the Office US is like the classic example of a show just petering out. I tried to watch that again recently. Did not hold up. Did not hold up. So I'm pretty happy with putting money high stuff against that. <laughs> uh, sorry,
0: it does fall off a fair bit after Steve Carell leaves, but the last season does rebound. Arrested Development, here's one I figured out only two days ago. Now, spoiler for Arrested Development, but kinda not really. There's like ambiguity as to whether or not maybe is actually George Michael's cousin Bushnell. Yeah. Sorry, say that again. Like ambiguity as to whether or not maybe is actually George Michael's cousin.
2: Yeah, yeah, because you don't know whether um, how she can
0: see maybe. So he would say, "This is my cousin, maybe." (laughs) I only figured that out two days ago. Anyway, so we'll move on. Uh, now, I <laughs> tried Troy in the first round by taking The Simpsons, and it burns a pit of hate, hatred in my stomach. So I'm going to return <laughs> to take the only show that Peter Gregory likes. I'm taking Peaky
2: Blinders. Oh, uh, I didn't think of Peaky Blinders.
1: Yeah. That's
2: not a good show. That's not a good show. It is People a People are watching, watching this I- to watch. Is People it- are watching this. I mean, honestly, Money Heist versus Peaky Blinders, No no contest.
0: Uh, I absolutely know what happened seasons two to five I can't remember So it's gonna be like watching it for the first time again.
1: The thing about Peaky Blinders for me is that I end up barracking for the family even though they kill they kill people and stuff like that.
2: How does that gel with how does that gel with getting depressed about Seinfeld? <laughs>
1: I'm a complicated I'm a complicated animal bushy like I don't know man I don't know that's just how I feel. I end up barracking for them but I feel bad about it so. No, but I do like Peggy Blinders. That was a good one. So is it my goat belt up? Uh, yeah, you're up, Pete. Okay, I'm going to choose The Office UK because it's just my favourite show of all time and I think that it's the right... Speaking about my need for positivity, it's the right balance of, like, drudgery and negativity and, you know, the, the tragedy of existence and all that. But there are moments where there's, you know, real emotion and um, they do the right thing. Like, at the end, the Christmas special. I'm glad they had that Christmas special. I will everyone's seen it, so I'm not going to you know re- ruin it. But when Dawn it. comes back and pashes, what's his face? What's his name? Tim. The guy, the little hobbit fella? Tim, yeah. So he, yeah. that's It's my favourite show of all time, and I've picked it. It's a good Very pick. Right. 14 episodes hurts. Two, two, two seasons.
0: Yeah, 14 episodes in total. That hurts on a rewatch. Like, there's only so many times you can watch them all.
1: Yeah. I oh, hear, I oh, hear. That's why he went to four. It's like a, it's like a, it's like that. Uh, who's that fellow that is placed in Richmond, but was in jail, so he didn't get picked until he was twenty-six.
2: Uh, Marlon Pickett. That's it, Marlon Pickett. It's like Marlon Pickett. All right, cool. Bushnell, your last two picks. Okay, I'm gonna go with. Okay, I I will pick a more of a crowd pleaser to pander to the to the people, but also something that is <laughs> fun to watch. Um, so I'm gonna go with the it show of the moment, Succession. Uh, which 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 you can uh, stream on Foxtel uh, um, yeah good good show I mean it's not as clever as it thinks it is but it's uh, some good some good lines creative swearing which I'm a, a big fan of um, and that'll lead me into my next pick as well but I would say succession is uh, for people who who Sort of like to follow along media and politics, that kind of thing, but, you know, not too deeply. Um, and it's just kind of a fun show. And like I say, it's the it show, so I'm sure that it will uh, contribute to upvotes for my overall package. Yeah, good.
0: <laughs> Succession, like, season one is good, and then season two is just next-level amazing television. Like, they hired all the writers for beef. They got the good swearers in there. It's so, so
1: good. i did dead sound
0: out
1: of this show.
2: You, should. you would actually like it. Yes. All right. hey, who would have thought that you are not fashion? So, is this my last? This is my last pick coming my up. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually just mentioned it. So my last pick is Veep. Uh, again, for if you're watching an IPA product, you might be interested in politics. Veep is a satire of the useless people who make up the vice presidency. And the Associated Office in the United States, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, probably the greatest uh, comic actor of her generation, um, just spitting out absolutely classic uh, swear words and combinations thereof. Uh, You can't go wrong with Veep. Tremendously funny show. All right. No, it's a good pick. Pete, you got your last one?
1: Yeah, last one. This one's a bit of a curveball, a bit of a project player. Uh, a lot of people might not have heard, well, uh, heaps people won't have heard of this show. Bush still might have, because we're not the same vintage. Uh, I'm going to select The Wonder Years, because when I was in, like, Grade 3 and Grade 4 and I was coming home from school, they would have reruns of The Wonder Years on TV, and it was absolutely compelling television. Don't you wave your uh, hand to me, James Bolt. It starred, went for six seasons between 1988 and 1993. Fred Savage as Kevin Arnold. I can't remember the, the woman's name, but everyone had a crush on Winnie. Don't know what her real name is. And it had a beautiful opening song, a great version of A Little Bit of Help with your, from Your Friends by The Beatles. Maybe Bruce What's that? Yeah,
2: it had the Joe Cocker version of the song. Yeah, sing it for oh, a moment.
1: One. Oh, what would you do if I sang out a tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Beautiful oh, stuff. Mate. I don't know how anyone would watch it these days, but you'll find it. Uh, all right.
0: I will remind everyone that this is the Young IPA podcast, so uh, thank you for that, Pete. <laughs> uh...
1: Good on you, mate. I've got a younger uh, soul than you anyway. I've I got don't... a more happy, carefree, yeah. demeanour.
0: I got two picks here. I've either got the crowd pleaser that's going to secure this title for me, or the one that's true to my heart, and I don't know which way I'm going to go. Crowd pleaser. You know, I'm actually. I'm going to expect. No, one cares it. about
1: your heart. Sorry? Crowd pleaser. No one cares about your heart. This is like. All right, a test the I'm going to pick Game of
2: Thrones. Oh, nah. was... um, Boo. See, there you go. That's the win for me. That's it. I've won. You can't honestly win. Can't honestly recommend that anyone sit through all those seasons to get to that ending. You just no, you just fear on them, fear on them.
0: Hard Home will always be one of the great episodes of TV. Like no matter how bad the last season was, Hard Home was better.
1: <laughs> I love it. I loved, it. I loved Game I of <laughs> And one of the reasons I loved it is because it, there's this modern trend, Bushy, which you could talk about in a sec, of not of putting unattractive people on TV. Whereas Game of Thrones is full of hot people, and that is obviously good, <laughs> uh, and also good versus evil—you know, interesting stuff. There's lots of forests. I like forests in a TV show, uh, so that's why I like Game of Thrones. But if you could pick up on that same because I know that it's—that's
2: a- <laughs> no, that is right. I've been thinking about this in relation to—I <laughs> don't know about forests, but the, uh, has anyone watched, Has anyone started watching this show, devs?
0: This show, um, devs. I, I did not like
2: the look of it. It was um it's written by written and directed by Alex Garland, who I normally normally quite like. Um, um you might know him from like Sunshine, um, things like that. But he like but everyone in this show is ugly, like physically unattractive. Now <laughs> not like this I, podcast, I mean. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not an, I'm not an oil painting, I know this, but <laughs> I'm also not paid to be on television. And this is, no, this is the important point. This is an important point. Um, they're, it, they're doing this to demoralize us. Like, I, when I go out the front door, I see ugly people, I want escapism, I turn on the TV, I want to see good looking people doing interesting things, not, uh, in this case, ugly people doing inexplicable things. Um,
1: I agree. I agree. It's part of this, like they want to, you know, showing hot people somehow discriminatory, or you could tell it's some politically correct thing, right? I, I, that's what most, I mean. Yeah.
2: Most of our audience, most of the audience for this podcast, will listen to it. They won't watch the the YouTube video, so I'm on safe ground. I <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's exactly right. And I think, you know, I think that uh, I sort of that escapism thing is is true, James. All right,
0: sweet. So uh, what do we all miss? Uh, my last pick was between Game of Thrones or the 2017 AFL Grand Finals, so... <laughs> uh, could Imagine Richard first. fans voting. That
1: would have been, been 90,000 votes for that, mate. <laughs> Just
0: the real uh, tiger. The, 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 also in comedies, I had The Thick of It, which is the uh, UK uh, original version of Veve. I uh, had Prazier, didn't get picked. Uh, and then the drama that I didn't pick was Six Feet Under, which I also like. Anyone else? Any big omissions? Uh...
2: What did you pick? Justified, I had on my list. Great TV show from the golden age. Uh, Narcos Mexico is probably the one of the better Netflix options that you've got. And you can, I stopped watching after Pablo got it. So I stopped watching
0: Narcos after Pablo died. I had no interest in anything else. Uh,
2: no, no. The more the Narcos Mexico, the spin-off series, um, is is a better show. It Doesn't have the stu- like so much of the stupid voiceover that kind of wrecked the, the other one. Um, I also found out in researching for this, and I wanted to chuck this in, but I couldn't squeeze it into the draft. You can stream Miami Vice on Channel 9's website, so get around that because Miami Vice is like one of the best shows ever made. <laughs> I out um, It's so. I mean, he invented a style, invented a fashion. You got to watch it. A great show. Don Johnson. Get around him.
1: Real public service announcement that from uh, from Bushnell. Uh, You've got? I was going to do Game of Thrones. Uh, that's the one I couldn't fit in. And to be honest, I only had six. And if you guys chose two of them, I was going to start Googling while we, while we chatted. I knew that I mean, no one would do the one. you. So. Six is enough. Yeah. All right. Don't
0: worry. I'll wipe the right floor with all of you. All right. Bushnell, thanks so much for that, mate. And uh, we've got another draft for you guys next week. All right, so here's the stuff we got at the end of the show. I want to start off with what is quickly becoming my favorite segment. It is up there with Q&A Clap of the Week, and it's. I think we're just calling it Joe Biden is a 1,000?
1: Yeah, that's what we're going with. All right, uh,
0: so uh, this week's entry to the Joe Biden is a 1,000 years old. He's on The View. He's being asked about coronavirus. Now, Trump, obviously, pretty controversial with the call to say the cure cannot be worse than the disease. They asked for Joe right. Biden's take on that.
1: would reassess the recommended
0: period for keeping businesses shut and people at home. Are you at all concerned, as
2: Trump said, that we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself? We
1: have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse no matter what. No matter what. Your thoughts. Well, I can see what he's getting at there. So is that, is that, that's a word for word what he said. That is word for word what he said. We
0: have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse.
1: See, obviously he means the opposite of that. And I'm not having a go at old people, but there is a time where you become not capable of being president. Yeah. And Joe Biden, that was five years ago. Exactly right. So... This guy, imagine if he was doing the coronavirus stuff right now. Yeah. I mean, the
0: clinicians would just be telling what's going on. Exactly. Uh, You have defended, you've said like we need to uh, not take him at his word. I reckon we should take him at his word because he's clearly trying to say uh, that we have to uh, not have the cure. We have to take care of the cure because cures make problems worse. Uh, So we've got to stop curing things. No one one should work Mm -hmm. on a vaccine under a Joe Biden presidency because that's just what coronavirus wants us to do. Just makes things worse. Just makes things worse. All right. Uh, now we're going to fly through some tweets that made us laugh because everyone in social isolation has absolutely lost their mind, including Donald Trump. (laughs) I know we're just like defending Trump earlier on, but uh, from the New York times, but he has also lost his mind. I want to start off with uh, Jeffrey Goodman, who is an author and a mental health advocate. And in his Twitter bio, he says he's paid for by Soros. So I don't know what that means, but I know it's annoying to people. Uh, that's it can't be right. There's no left wing doing it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, so he's tweeted out uh, to Donald Trump, just to make sure the man seasoned himself. I'm very rich, yeah. so none of this hurts me. I feel bad for those who are suffering and died. I am joyous that this has happened during your one and only term. Now, he's deleted the tweet, but that is one of the few tweets I've ever seen which somehow gets worse with every single sentence. It doesn't have to say that
1: he's rich. That has nothing to do with the point he's making. Nothing. That's just him bragging yeah. that he's rich. And, you know... Joyous, you're joyous this is happening. Yeah, exactly. Come on, mate.
0: And I like how he like pats himself on the back. So he goes, Look, even though I'm completely rich and none of this is gonna hurt me, I still feel bad for people who are suffering.
1: Oh, what a guy. What a, you know, what a guy. Take your hat off. Can I ask you, this so this guy, how many Twitter followers does he have? A f- you know, he's big. A fair few. He's got
0: the blue check mark. The blue check mark of power.
1: So it's all good hundreds of thousands.
0: Uh, I would say over a hundred thousand. I don't know off the top of my head, okay. but uh yeah.
1: Come on, James. So, yeah, we're
0: all okay. slipping. We're all slipping. All right. Uh, then we've got Donald Trump himself. So there was a moment when he was told at a press conference that Mitt Romney was being uh, self-isolated because he'd become uh, what, in contact with someone with coronavirus. And he I just goes like, oh, gee, that's bad. And you could hear the sarcasm yep. in his voice. Anyway, so it comes out later that Mitt Romney tested negative to coronavirus. He's had Donald Trump tweeted out the news this is really great news. I am so happy I can barely speak. He may have been a terrible presidential candidate and an even worse US senator, but he is a rhino and I like him a lot. Rhino being like Republican in name only. So Trump's still trolling.
1: That's the thing. There's a few weird things about that tweet. The first bit, but he is a rhino, sounds like that is like a good thing. Yeah, it's a good so thing. He's saying, but he is, this. is that a good thing for Trump? Like, I, Trump, Trump would, like,
0: would not like that. I think that's also damning with faint praise. The whole thing's a troll.
1: Okay, fair enough. And when I saw that clip that you were talking about, they had, so, and the journal, the journal asked him, are you being sarcastic uh, when he said that thing about Romney? And he goes, no, not sarcastic at all. And you could tell <laughs> that he was like, I shouldn't pretend, I shouldn't show that I'm happy with this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. isolation, even though he clearly was. Yeah, he exactly. Was
0: really- well, I, I, sorry, they say keep up normal behaviour in times of crisis. You always got to keep yeah. your own traditions and your own ways of being. So I reckon if Trump stops being a horrendous troll and starts forgiving his enemies and being really empathetic, then I'm going to start panicking because what does he know that's made him like see God and abandon his ways? So when he does this, I go, things are okay. Like we're going to come out of this okay. Donald Trump still has not stopped being a complete and utter Twitter troll. He's still operating as always.
1: That's exactly right. You cannot start changing his behaviour now. He's got to keep, you know,
0: doing this stuff. Right. Uh, and the last one I've got, sorry, this is fresh off the press. A Green Senator from New South Wales, Maureen Faruki, uh, tweeted out this in a, and, like, clipped a speech of her uh, speaking to the New South Wales Senate. Here she goes. Uh, COVID-19 is a gendered crisis. Nurses, nurse aides, teachers, child carers and early childhood educators, aged care workers and cleaners are mostly women. They are on the front line of this public health crisis and carry a disproportionate risk of being exposed to the virus. Now, Pete, your thoughts.
1: I don't think the coronavirus knows what gender is or has a gender. Uh, It's weird that she hasn't mentioned all the male-dominated industries that are also extra exposed to the virus, like police, like doctors, I think, I'm not 100% sure that that one, but I'm pretty sure, like orderlies, like security guards at hospitals, I'm not sure why she wouldn't be mentioning those. In addition, coronavirus kills more men than women. Not that it's a competition, but it does. But we're winning. Uh, (laughs) If it was a competition, (laughs) we're winning. Uh, And (laughs) the thing is, one of the things about coronavirus, which I think is going to be good, is that it's going to kill identity politics and climate change. Like, this is what a crisis looks like, not, you know, the temperature going up by, you know, half a degree or whatever. And identity politics is stupid in a time like this because the coronavirus does not care what your gender is. It will
0: get you- I just can't cat. believe it took this long to get here. It's been five whole days before we had someone try to bring identity politics and gender politics into coronavirus. Oh, I-, I saw a few ones before this actually. Oh really? Alright. Well okay so may- maybe I've just been missing it but I've not seen like, I, I thought we would have got here, I don't know March 10. I thought March 10, <laughs> 10 would have been a time to really get gender into it. March 28 I'm just like you've lost your fastball.
1: Yeah, 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 you're getting a bit sloppy. Well, there was, there was some in America and obviously this person has seen, you know, those American articles and tweets and she's like, you know what, I can get a bit of, make a bit of hay out of this and uh, away she's gone.
0: Yeah. All right, so that is it for the show this week. We're going to be doing a whole lot of remote shows coming up, mm-hmm. talking, uh, you know, since we've got this shutdown, who knows, who knows how long it's going to be. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see you guys next week.
1: Thank you so much for listening. Thank you everyone who made this show possible. Keep going.
0: Oh, how's that? I'm ready to bump through a (laughs) wall.
2: All right, see you next week. Inspirational. See ya.